You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint. Because Black girls did it first. And honestly, better. Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fave podcast for all the Gen Z Black Girl tea. My name's Lauren. And my name is McKean. And thanks, y'all, for joining us today for a really dope episode. I already feel it in the works. Today, we have two really special guests joining us for a special Pride Month episode. We have Jade and Ayana, who I will let introduce themselves because they have way more dynamic personalities and backgrounds than I can tell y'all. <laughs> so, Jade, why don't you go first? Righty. Well, I am Jade. I'm from South Carolina. I am a... Uh trans activists on TikTok. That's pretty much how people know me. And I love that. It's very fun for me. It's a passion I've had since I was a child. And that's who I am. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, girl. Ayana. Hi, y'all. My name is Ayana. I am the founder of Brainwash. It's a digital media platform for Gen Z and millennials of color, specifically black and brown ones, specifically highlighting as many queer folks as we can. And I am Bye, bye, bye. bye. <laughs> I can't. I didn't catch that at first. <laughs> I love I'm, that. Glad I'm, I'm glad you cut it. I'm glad you cut it. I'm glad you cut it. Amazing. Well, thank you both for coming and joining us today. I know the people at home listening can't can't see it, but Jade can't beat to the gods, and we love that. I know. I'm, I'm so underdressed, child. If y'all see me on the internet in my tie-dye t-shirt, don't say nothing. Mind your business. We don't mind a business. We mind a business that pays us. That's okay. <laughs> tie-dye is just everything. It is. Tie-dye is. And the puff, too. Listen, you came. You came. You it's came wash right day. Now. It's wash day. It's wash day, y'all. Dang, praying for your arms. Praying for the nails. <laughs> but before we get like talking about like the episode and everything, and before we even do the read the room, let's do a little check-in. So how's everybody doing? Let's let's check in. How's everyone doing today? McKean, do you want to go first? Actually, do you want to talk? Because I know you started your internship today. So yeah, I've had, I'm gonna just tell y'all before I had a crazy past three days. So today was my first day of my job, but Yesterday, I flew back from Mexico, and the day before, I had a false positive COVID test, even though I'm vaccinated. And I thought I was not going to be let back in the country. Oh my God. I like was trying to figure that whole thing out and ruin my last day of my trip. So, y'all, I'm just happy mm. to be here. I'm just happy to be <laughs> home and COVID free and still vaccinated. So, yeah, that's my that's my testimony, I guess, also. And how Johnson doing. and Johnson tried to play you. <laughs> for real, I was like, damn, is this what I get for getting Johnson and Johnson? Like, is this what I get for like going to Mexico? I was really like, I was going through it, but we here. <laughs> here we are here. We home. We safe. We How y'all do? I'm good. I'm chilling. New York is finally opening up, which is great, but also kind of mm-hmm. scary. What can you do? People think that mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the train without no mask, and it's not happening. It's simply not happening. <laughs> like, call me the Joker. <laughs> As it shouldn't. Not seeing me. <laughs> yes. Truly, I've been I've been walking around New York too, maskless. Everybody, and I don't like it. I be feeling anti-mask too, even though I know that I'm vaccinated. I feel like mm, 
I feel like I'm giving Trumper out here and I don't like it. I'm, I'm not vibing yeah. with it. But, <laughs> but I'm excited for a New York City summer for sure. Me too. It's a hot girl New York summer. I'm going to be living. I say this every single episode because I'm so excited. Oh, that's right. Yes. Second <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. Still in finals though right now. So that's mm. what I, oh that was my God. little check-in for the day. These finals have, they've come for my neck. I'm going to be completely honest. They've come to scout me. They've come for my edges. I can't do, I had to ask for an extension and I never asked for extensions. You deserve it. Drowning. I'm drowning. Shout out to anybody who went through college, <laughs> any sort of uh, schooling during COVID because I can't even wrap my head around on online school. Mm. Yeah, that? thank you. Thank you for the shout out. We need it. <laughs> thank you. Jade, how are you? How you doing, girl? I'm doing well. My cat clearly wants to be a part of this. He is meowing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing well. I'm in a place in life where, you know, I'm not very comfortable where, with where I'm at in life. But I know that, you know, in, in times of uncomfortability, we're growing. So yes. I'm very grateful for this time that I'm even very uncomfortable and unsure of what I'll do tomorrow. Mm. That was a word. <laughs> wow, yeah. that, was, that was poetry. We love a glass oh, half full. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we can now move into the read the room. So read the room for anyone who does not know, it's kind of the part of the episode where we just do a little culture check, culture update. You know, we stay on black Twitter. So that's kind of where we get the read the room roster from. So for today, we have some topics to debate, to share our thoughts on. First and foremost is probably the lighthearted, the most lighthearted one is the fact that somebody on the internet is trying to cancel Destiny's Child's cater to you. What is this? How I don't know the origin story behind this. I saw it on the timeline. I just don't know where this. Me neither. I just saw people being like, "Black Twitter said no." Mm-hmm. That's literally all that I saw. <laughs> I saw the articles about it before I saw the tweet itself. I didn't see the original tweet. I saw the Same. memes though, and I and mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent here for it. I don't know. So how do y'all feel about the song? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a bop. I think personally, a lot of the reason why we have issues within our community as Black people is the fact that um, we do protect Black men a lot and we do baby Black men a lot to a certain extent. Um, And, you know, we do lack on uh, holding Mm -hmm. Black men accountable sometimes. And I know it is just a song and I love Destiny's Child, I love Beyonce. Mm -hmm. But if I have to untie your shoes, take off your shoes for you, take off your cuff links and you can't do any Dang of that yourself. Personally, I would live <laughs> my life that way, but I do love the song and Beyonce's amazing. So yeah, it is a bop, but I would Thank never you. be a cater to you girl. Okay. That's fair. That's that. Not, not for no man. Mm, no. That's, that really was it. That's really exactly how I feel. Like the, also the That's fact it. that I was singing that song when they're at a point where I just was not even imagining doing the things. I literally was just singing the song I liked. <laughs> I was like a child singing along like, ooh. Like on your me, way to school me, singing <laughs> you. Let me tie your I didn't hair. know what I was singing at all. No. You want a foot rub? <laughs> well, it depends. You know, relationships are give and take. You know, if I can rely on you to untie my shoes and take off my earrings and, you know, press my nails on, then I'll cater to you. It That's has a very to be fair a, a mutual understanding. And that's mm-hmm. fair. You know, because so, someone else on the timeline was like, some of y'all are just not catered to you men. Like, y'all are not giving what, Des- you know, mm. what Desi Childs was talking about. You know what I mean? So it's like, maybe 
I cater to my man, perhaps, but some of y'all yeah. don't deserve it. You know what I mean? Yes. Perhaps, perhaps we found the little nuance there. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she was catered to Jay's, but I mean, you know what? I'm going I'm to mind my business. See, that's the thing. Oh, Do he deserve it? Do he even deserve it? But that's another I, day. That's an episode all its own because I have my opinions on, on Mr. Carter, but I digress. Um, the other thing that's been going on as well um, in, I guess, in Black Twitter, but also just in general, because I saw Stephen Colbert. Is that how you pronounce his name? There was yeah. that interview as yeah. well where there was this lady. I don't know her name either. I think it's Rita Moreno or something. Um, mm-hmm. She was basically talking about it because basically the thing that's going on is In the Heights came out. It's Linwell Miranda's, um, I guess it was a Broadway show that's been made into a movie and it's supposed to be about Washington Heights, um, which I feel like going to Columbia, like we see it very, like often where I'm there very often. So we know what Washington Heights looks like. It's a predominantly Dominican, Afro-Latina, like Afro-Latinx neighborhood. Um, And everyone in that movie was pretty much white or white passing and there were light skin and there were no dark skin Afro-Latina people whatsoever in that movie. And it was, it was not, it was not good whatsoever. And some people were Mm. saying like, oh, like we're finally getting Latina representation. Like why um, are you trying to like ruin it? Like he's doing his best. I'm like, no. And I think one of the main things about this too that I saw a tweet about and like for this conversation is just that it's not even so much about the representation conversation for this one. Like for this one, it's just about accuracy. Like you went to Washington Heights, you saw predominantly dark skinned people and we're just like, nah, let's still do-. like, it's not even accurate. Right. Place yeah. Trying to represent. And I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. Honestly. And then the, I saw what I saw was because I don't actually know nothing about Lin-Manuel Miranda. I know he's the Hamilton dude. I never felt inclined to see Hamilton personally. So I don't know. I yeah. I know why people rap about Alexander Hamilton. For me. Awesome. Yeah. So I was like, I saw the one interview where they like the director, I think, was asked about like, how did this happen? Like, how are there no dark skin people in this cast? Like, because we know they auditioned and he was yeah. just like well you know we cast whoever was best which is kind of like normally the argument against hiring people of color at all so they were kind of just like yeah but you did cast dark skin people for the background characters for the dancers for the people like in the like that make the scene more interesting behind the scene like with no words so like what does that mean and why did you find them suitable for those roles and not the principal ones so that probably that probably was the very same line that they heard over probably at this point over 50 years ago when West Side Story was created. Mm. And most of those people who were playing, you know, these people of color were white. Mm. So, um, you know, it, history repeats itself. And it's sad to see that theater still gives that, you know, that blatant answer back. I found that entire press run to be very embarrassing. Like to to circle back to what you were discussing earlier, McKean, the press run was an Afro-Latina woman talking to both the director and, and some of the cast for The Root. Mm. And she was having a conversation with the director and she's like, okay, so I noticed there were no negritas in here or, or dark-skinned morenitas. There were no dark-skinned uh, Afro-Latina people in this uh, adaptation of In the Heights, which if you've seen the original play, there are Afro-Latinos in the original play. That's so, tea. Yeah, mm. so... He was kind of like, or I, I don't want to misrepresent his pronouns I'm, or their pronoun, pronouns rather, so I, I won't even say he, but they said, yeah, this is a conversation we need to be having. It's like, no, no, we're 
past the point of no return. There's no conversation that needs to be had. You should have had the conversation in the casting room. Before, yeah. Actors were doubling down and saying, yeah. yeah, well, the director wanted to find the right people for the role. And there were Afro-Latinos in the casting calls. And the directors just picked the right person for the role. And it's just like, so you mean to tell me that none of those Afro-Latinos were the right fit? But Dasha Polanco was no Tino Shea. But are we sure? Are we positive? And I and I there also understand when people <laughs> say like TV shows, films that are set in New York City, if there are no black people in it, it, it can sometimes be an accurate representation of those worlds, right? Friends, uh, Sex in the City, girls, like those women would never be in community with any black or brown people. So the fact that there were they would actually have white people fingers. there, it's like. <laughs> That makes sense, but you're talking about Washington Heights. You're talking about Dominicans who, mm. whether or not they know it, they black. So you can mm-hmm. find that one person. <laughs> you can find one. So not one. It was, it was embarrassing. None. It's like, dang, like very it's embarrassing. 2021. We're still having conversations about representation politics on screen. It's exhausting. So yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that. I see you no. tied it up. You packaged it. That's it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, all the points you made. I I didn't even know that about yeah. the Broadway. That is embarrassing. It's like you went backwards. And, I, and even we Lauren, what you were talking about that Colbert clip where the woman I don't exactly know what she does. I don't know if she's an actress or whatever. She I was talking about actress. how Lin Manuel like I, helped fund her her play or something, and she was like, "Why can't we just like give things a second? Like it's never good enough for people." And then Colbert was trying to like slip slide and give her an out and say like, to "Help her out." Okay, so what you're saying that is Lin Manuel shouldn't necessarily be taking the brunt of the criticism for the adaptation because it's an adaptation. He was trying to you know mm-hmm, clean it up, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I just think that people should just <laughs> like what they get." <laughs> she said, "No, take our like." Half done product. She said, "No niggas allowed. <laughs> no darkies." I can't. No, but girl, I can't. Anyway, I, I feel like okay. On to the next, so we can have room for the conversation. But like that could be a whole episode <laughs> in and of itself. The last thing on our read the room thing was news from today. Juneteenth has been unanimously passed by the Senate as a national holiday. Like a week, two days before, and wow. also the holiday, three days before the holiday, wow. <laughs> which is like that's it's notable. But I've seen mixed thoughts on the internet, so I was curious. What do y'all think? How do y'all feel about this? Do you think this is like they were just like, let's give them something, like <laughs> let's give them something? Well, I have a question. This so this is my first time that I'm like working in America, um, and I got Juneteenth mm-hmm. off. I got this Friday Same. off for Juneteenth. This is this the first time that this is happening? That's the first time ever that's ever happened. Ooh. Like, my dad, I was telling my dad, because I this is my first week of my job, and I Friday off, and I was like, I also feel like nobody was talking about Juneteenth until last year. They like, didn't know what Juneteenth was and, until, beyond black people. until they had. <laughs> right. So. Ooh, but, but I just think it's embarrassing because they, like, just for the, like, maybe the fifth time or something crazy, shot down the anti-lynching bill. And, like, that's been trying to be passed for a hundred years. Y'all won't pass an anti-lynching bill, but you'll finally acknowledge Juneteenth, which like we don't need y'all to acknowledge. So I'm confused. I mean, I just I just feel like stop playing with us. We're not dumb. <laughs> yeah, I do think that um, 
you know, when America decides to acknowledge things, um, the very last people to officially acknowledge that uh, thing, event, holiday, tradition, culture, a group of people are white people. And when white people recognize something, at that point, society has fully, I guess, accepted it and adopted it. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. You know, these are things that I always question myself. Is it a good thing whenever it becomes a mainstream thing? Just like pride, we see that people market off of these things. It's not really something they sincerely care about. It's something mm -hmm. that they know they're going to make money off of this group of people if they decide to capitalize off of the event, make it a big thing. And once it's gone, everything goes back to normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly that to Jade's point, like it, it's reminding me of the commodification of pride, right? Like it feels weird that white corporations are giving off their entire staff, whether or not they're black off for the day and maybe running Juneteenth sales or Juneteenth events. And like, I would rather reparations, like I would rather my black trans friends be given resources and opportunities to live and survive like i would rather that i don't care that we get a national holiday especially without the education because i'm almost certain that the white folks that are getting off for juneteenth have no idea what the holiday is and they could care less and that to me is kind of sad yes i saw something earlier that was like in the same vein as you know the anti-lynching act not passing also the fact that these are, you know, it's being passed, but these are the same people trying to work against the teaching of um, critical, race, critical theory race theory in school. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I just, it just stinks. It all, it reminds me of when Nancy Pelosi popped out in her little Kente cloth. Stop, don't <laughs> remind me, please. Not the little Wakanda forever. Yes. With them kneeling on so the good. floor, like with their fists up. That was, honestly, that picture is like the funniest okay. thing whenever I need to laugh. I look up Nancy Pelosi Kente in case you want to laugh today. Go Google it. Remind yourself. <laughs> Anyways, so I feel like we can get into the conversation. Any other thoughts on we already 20 minutes in, but that was a juicy read the room today. So we had to take the time. But OK, so we wanted to start this episode with a couple of like, I think some disclaimers and some honesty about the fact that we can't do everything that but there are conversations that need to be had. So this is our quote unquote Pride Month episode. These are conversations we'll have, be having long throughout Pride and are relevant in most of the conversations that we have because our identities are always at play. But I think in Black, Black communities, but especially as Black women, we don't like to think about the ways in which we also have privilege. So we wanted to acknowledge the fact that Lauren and I are both cis and heterosexual and like, what does that mean? The fact that it is Pride Month and we don't want to be performative, but also there's only so many conversations we can have just in a silo with our own voices. So that is why we have our lovely guest today, who also made the Read the Room way more juicy than it has been in weeks. So I'm appreciative for y'all. <laughs> Thank but you. For also the sake of, you know, starting off from a place of learning and knowing we might know some things. We're all coming to this place with different levels of knowledge. So we thought we would just define some terms for y'all. Mm. So first of all, what does it mean when we say cis? So cis is when you identify with the gender that which with which you were assigned at birth. Tend to use cis het as like a term in and of itself, but het is short for heter heterosexual. Um, and that being a sexual attraction to a different sex. Uh, being attracted to the like opposite sexual gender. Being attracted to the opposite gender. So Does straight. Gender binary? Het means straight. But like, yeah, I guess technically, yeah, we could get into the fact that like, 
that's what saying I'm that like, you're straight or bi is technically reinforcing a binary, but who knows? I don't know. <laughs> you feelings can, on that. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's what it means. Right. If you're cis hit, then you're not queer. And when you are queer, you are someone who identifies outside of the cis head experience. That that was just, you know, it was a, a great definition. I say, you know what, this is amazing. Not quite sure which website I found it from, but it didn't come from this noggin. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly, that was a great way. So my understanding of queer, which was the next term on our list, is like that's just an umbrella term for, like you said, anything that falls outside of mm -hmm. the like straight cis umbrella. Mm -hmm. So next we have femme. My understanding of femme, and it's used differently by different people, but it ge generally is referring to how people present, regardless of how they identify in terms of gender. So generally people that appear or present themselves in traditionally like feminine ways. Mm -hmm. um, the next term is trans. So that's kind of if you identify with another gender than the one that you were assigned with at birth. Right. And I feel like there's only a couple more y'all, but I'm sure there are so many <laughs> more. So y'all can go to YouTube for anything else because this is not all encompassing. You should do your own research. Okay. But mm -hmm. the next term is non-binary or gender non-conforming. So pretty much anyone who doesn't identify as explicitly female or explicitly or not, I hate to use those terms, as women or men. Mm -hmm. But like sometimes they might identify as women, sometimes they might identify as men, sometimes they might they might never identify as either. They might use different pronouns or a number of pronouns that people use. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then the last two are pansexual and bisexual. Um, so bisexual, I've come to understand as being attracted to two or more genders and pansexuality to be an attracted to people regardless of gender or outside of gender. So I think sometimes I have seen them sometimes be used interchangeably, just sometimes with the discourse around what it means to have binary. the gender binary. Um, yeah. But for the most part, I think we'll stick with those definitions in this in case. That was actually a really solid uh, definition because I think people, when they hear by their thinking man or woman, and I have dated folks who don't identify as either, I've dated trans folks, so mm -hmm. to me, it is is two or more. And also, I recognize trans men and women as just that, men and women. Yeah. So that's kind of why I feel that term is all-encompassing-ish. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that was a great uh, definition. Line. Cool. All righty. Woo! Yay. There we, we go. Sorry. <laughs> I was sweating, child. Jay, look at this. It was shaking. Well, they, they did, did. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> a proud mother. <laughs> okay, but into the conversation, I think a large part of this conversation is, um, a lot of the conversations we have as well are about, like, representation and, like, media especially. So we wanted to know what you guys' earliest memories were of, like, Black LGBTQ folks' representation in the media. When was the first time that you saw your intersecting identities represented, like, especially appropriately um, on screen? And were those, like, role models? that you looked up to um if if, if, also if there were, let's, let's the start question. there but like when was the the first time that you saw black queer folks on screen represented um me personally i feel that i've not watched a single series or movie where i felt like i completely identify with the people on the screen um you know with pose being out right now mm -hmm. it's a show that i extremely adore but um i think that people mix up representation um, in terms of, are you really representing your community for your community, or are you representing your community to other communities in a way that is fathomable, 
stomachable and make sense to stereotypes that already exist in their mind. For example, I'm a dark-skinned trans woman, so a lot of times there's an expectation for me to be attitudinal, overconfident, spiteful, um, the angry Black woman, you know what I mean? Because that's the only way we've seen dark-skinned trans women really portrayed in the media. Uh, I would say outside of Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black, but even that, she wasn't like, you know, the happiest character. And that translates across all uh, identities, honestly. If you're a darker-skinned person, they always expect for you to be aggressive. But in terms of LGBT community, um, and as a Black trans woman, I've not seen a representation where I feel like it's fully, um, it has layers, you know what I mean? I think that people always want to coin Black women, especially dark-skinned Black women, um, attitudinal or over-talkative or just like, you know, bam in your face. And we all know that's besides the truth. Anybody can be that way aside outside of shade or color, you know? So I don't feel that I've seen it yet. I think I love Dominique Jackson and I love all of the girls on Pose. Um, and they did an amazing job. Um, and people expect for me to always say that's my favorite show because I'm a Black trans person, but I feel that they could have done better with representation in that show as well. So thus far, that is the biggest representation of Black trans people, of Black LGBT people on TV, period, plus people. And um, I don't think that even that mm. was uh, a good enough job. So that's how I feel. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think we're just now getting to a point where we're starting to see more diverse stories within the queer community that aren't centered in trauma. And even Pose, right, it is quite traumatic, but I do think to their credit, there is a little bit of nuance because we can see some of the characters as full people with full lives and full experiences. Um, because like, if I'm thinking of some of the earlier shows that centered queer black folks it was all about like my god they came out and their parents kick them out or or they're on the streets or do they're do you know like it, it, or they're on drugs they're things like that very very traumatic and very real and very you know honest depictions of some experiences but that's not all encompassing there is a, a 90s film called watermelon woman which i would recommend to anyone it star, stars a Black queer woman named Cheryl Dunier, and she's also the director and writer, and she's an aspiring filmmaker, and she's just like doing regular things that, you know, 20-somethings do. She's working at a film store, and she's trying to get this film off the ground, and, and she falls in love, so it's, it's very cool. I definitely would recommend it. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Don't shade me, because Mr. Bezos has it on his platform, but uh, that's actually really, really great. Um, film for those looking for some representation. I also would say that even though she has her her moments, Lena Waithe, when Lena Waithe is discussing her own personal experience as a as a black woman, she hits it on the head, right? When she tries to get a little too political and and the queen and slim child, no, you can you can miss me. But this new season of Master of None is really depicting her relationship with her her wife that she ended up divorcing in the show. And that was really beautiful. She has a series on BET called, I think it's called 20s, if I'm not mistaken. And that was really, really beautiful and nuanced and fun and lighthearted. It's just like, it's just a fun show to watch about 20-something-year-olds that happen to be queer. It's not about like, oh my God, trauma. Like, yeah. So I definitely would recommend those shows for sure. And they do use us for our trauma. You know, they use us for our trauma for entertainment. And I feel that that is one of the biggest things they um, 
they want from us. I don't think they they really care to see us that happy. When they do care to see us happy, it's always like, I, I don't know. It, it's, there's always a level of cattiness that is um, presented to, I guess, uh, cisgender people uh, from our community. And I feel that's deeper than that. It's love. Like, it can be that, you know, we do throw shade and we can read you now. But I hate that, you know, that's all that they represent sometimes. But I do think Pose did good with representing, like, we love each other. We care for each other. And, you know, it's great. It's just, you know, hearing some of the things that did happen to, you know, the actors backstage and how they felt and, you know, just the overall story that they decided to present and how they decided to depict the characters. Um, yeah, that's that's just how I feel about it. Like, I feel we really do have to dig very deep to find things that we can relate to. And that's always like underground artists because they don't push to um, put us on the forefront, you know, black queer people. So we really have to like dig, dig, dig. And like you said, you know, um, you like that documentary from the nineties. Like, I wish we had more. I wish we had more. I wish we yeah. could see each other more. I feel like even with the internet, we're still unable to really see each other, you know? But that's how I feel. Mm. That's, that's real. That's real. I feel like that point you made earlier, Jade, about thinking about who it's made for, not only who it like who features it's on its by. face, but like who is it actually made for and like how much is watered down in trying to reach that. Yeah. Right. Because mm. isn't is Pose not also by the guy who did Glee? Mm. That's see that. Like, yeah, that's the red fly right there. So I definitely could. I see that that's what we need to be keeping in mind because it's not enough to just be like, okay, the cast checks is checks most of the boxes. So we're like, we're good. Like who's in the writing room? Like who is actually doing the storytelling is important and something to think about. So that made me think about our next question also, like knowing that, and it's so sad to even think that we're in 2021 and there are not characters that are made for you us for us to see ourselves in at this point for everyone us being like literally everybody in society like there are so many people in this world we know they're in hollywood like why are they not on screen but i'm wondering if y'all had any role models or like whether they're at queer people in your lives or queer people that you got to see in the media like i like to call them like friends in your head or like friends in your mind whether they were influencers or anybody that you were like that's someone that like whose life I can admire whether it's in totality or just a like certain part of it. But I'm wondering, did that person exist for y'all in any capacity? I don't think so, to be fair. Like it's kind which is kind of sad. Um, because I do think like the coming of age for many black queer folks would be easier if we did have some sort of representation of that experience. But I honestly can't think of any my friends, you feel me, like, people that I'm in community with, um, the people that, you know, like, help me understand certain experiences, or the people that, oh, you need money, you need help, you need a job, you need that, and, and vice versa, like, my immediate community, for sure, is inspiring, but, like, famous people, job, no, no, <laughs> I don't have anything, <laughs> I can't even think of a single person. Yeah, it's particularly hard to relate to people once they hit Hollywood anyway. They've been through so many different cycles of repressing themselves and subtracting themselves to be able to be fathomable for a Hollywood. Like Hollywood is something where you do have to start, you have to have a certain story, you know, to even, you know, make it like, and people change their story up a lot. 
They don't show the grittiness. They don't tell, you know, every sad story or every traumatic story, every happy story. Like, you know, I feel we don't know enough about these people to look up to them anymore. Like, I think now that we have the internet and we realize there's so many different layers to people, we're more so just admiring these people's stories and, you know, um, what they can offer to society and not too much just, you know, like their life. Like, I don't know. I don't think we should give people that pressure anymore of making them role models and looking up to them because their life is just so inspiring. I think that we should be inspired by their experiences and what they overcame and their resilience. But I don't think we should, you know, be like, oh, this person is a role model because I've noticed that we've broken down a lot of stars that way. So, no, I don't have role models in that way. I would say my mom, <laughs> the community. I love Hope Giselle um, on Instagram. Like Hope Giselle is so amazing. I look up to her Everything. so much. Uh, her, if she were, I guess, mainstream, that would be the celebrity I look up to because we already know her story. We've seen her cry through it all. And, you know, she really is an activist about her people. So I love Hope Giselle. If you don't know her, I think her at is at Hope Disguised on Instagram. That's my favorite, like, trans activist. Yeah. That sounds good. I, I really actually do like that point that you guys made about the the role models and also just like the expectations that we have like for these celebrities because they have these platforms and like not really remembering that these are also just real people as well and what it means to have someone as your role model and put them up on a pedestal and i think kind of the next like range of things that we wanted to talk about was kind of that coming of age experience that you were talking about ayana with i mean i guess on one hand like what it means what it does mean to be queer growing up without this representation. Like you guys have made so many great points about like when you do see queer representation, a lot of times it is watered down for digestibility, whether that's um, having light skinned black queer folks with white partners or, um, you know, even when you get, I don't know, thinking about who's the face of transness. And for a lot of times it's Caitlyn Jenner's. It's like, ah, oh, I'm the face of trans and she's supposed to speak for all trans people and how that doesn't really encompass all experiences. So thinking about, you know, coming of age, what was it like growing up queer, whether that's in a Black household, within the Black community at large, um, in your school environments as well? Um, and I think we'll maybe make this a part two question, but we do want to talk as well about this notion of coming out and what that um, experience means in and of itself, or if that's something that still needs to be done, um, or if, what that notion means. So... That was a very convoluted question, but basically I want to hear about your coming of age experiences growing up queer in this society that doesn't really represent those intersecting identities. Well, I just feel like, you know, it was horrible. I didn't enjoy it per se. It was something I'm happy that I got through, but I, I'm, if I didn't mention my name yet, uh, my age yet, I'm 19. So I'm still, you know, Yes, I'm, I'm old, y'all. I just it just hit. Yeah, it always shakes people, but I'm 19. <laughs> so, um, for me personally, um, it was hard growing up. Um, when you are a black child raised, um, for me particularly, I was raised in the South. My grandmother was a pastor, so you know there was particular pressure there for um, my life to go a certain way. And honestly, I do think that. Um, in my coming of age, I realized that when a child is born into a family, a lot of times these people have already pre-planned how they want this child's life to go. So when this child goes outside of these, um, these uh, I guess the box that you plan for the child, sometimes it can be devastating for certain people and their reaction is horrible and sometimes unforgivable. 
luckily for me and my family, um, we are at a place now where we're able to, you know, really speak and they respect my pronouns and my identity. It was not always that way. You know, when I was a very young child, I already knew, you know what I mean? I already knew exactly who I was. I, I used to walk around in the house in the hills and I would get in trouble. I mean, trouble, trouble, you know what I mean? So I remember these um, experiences and, you know, these experiences bleed into our own identities. Um, I told myself for a very long time who it, who it is that I was, was wrong. You know what I mean? Because everybody had been telling me that, not just family, but, you know, my peers too. And when you are, when people assume that you're a part of the LGBT community or you're different, it's very scary to a lot of people's family members. And they try to find ways to segue that, you know what I mean? And a lot of times people do choose either physical or emotional or mental abuse. And um, for me, it was just emotional, you know what I mean? And that was, it was something that took a toll on me for years until I came out as trans when I was like 17 years old. Um, before that I had came out, um, I came out as gay because my brother forced me out the closet because I started to do what I thought was um, drag on Instagram. I was about 13 years old and it was my expression. You know what I mean? It was what I had pent up for years and I knew that's who I was supposed to be. And he found out about it. He was on this college basketball team and he came to my house for the first time in months and he told my mom, you know, what was going on. And he was like, you need to tell her you're gay. I didn't personally feel like I was gay at this point. I was identifying as a cisgender, um, you know, male. I didn't really identify anywhere sexually because I was 13. Like, I really wasn't thinking about it. And when he did that, it did set me back for a very long time. You know, um, letting somebody else define who you are and what you are is very damaging. You should never do it. At any age, I would never encourage anyone to allow them to um, conform to any label that um, they push upon them. So I realized, no, I wasn't gay, I was trans. And so when I was 17, I came out um, a day after my birthday, which was the day that I had spinal surgery. And I told my mother, I said, you know, this is who I am, this is who I need to be. I came out of the surgery with a very high heart rate because I was wishing that I was not going to wake up. And when I did, you know, I was like, well, now that I have, I'm going to have to, um, live for me and that's exactly what i did that's Word. my coming of age I, shout out to you jade I, I, <laughs> so much of that resonates with me i think Thank so much you. of my experience i kind of if i'm being like really transparent i kind of blocked out because it was just so tra traumatizing and i think now in 2021 we finally have the language to have these conversations and i think like even five years ago ten years ago our parents just didn't have the proper tools to navigate these conversations and these identities and nuance and things like that, especially if you're living in a black home, especially if your your family's not from America, like there are all of these things that you have to deal with. Also just being a black woman in general is already traumatizing enough. Um, being a teenager is already traumatizing enough. So having, I think what you said, Jade, was, was so poignant of like, having the entire world tell you who you're supposed to be and you're like wait is something wrong am i doing something wrong okay cool like i recognize that if i do what they tell me i should do or if i present the way they tell me i should present then my life is easier and i can navigate the world easier and i think for so long that is definitely something i did especially acknowledging 
my privileges within the community as someone who is lighter skinned, as someone who is able-bodied, as someone who is straight size, as someone who is straight passing, right? Like you wouldn't necessarily, there aren't any identifiers on me, um, the way I present that you would say like, oh yeah. So I think that acknowledging that is important, especially for anyone who identifies as the B and LGBTQ, because while your experience is valid and there's no need for you to prove yourself or your identity to anybody, it is important to to recognize your experience and in understanding that the way that you were able to navigate the world is completely different. Um, I think the idea of coming out is silly. I think that cishet folks don't have to do that. And I think that it is very traumatizing as a, like, it was a very traumatizing experience for me personally. Um, and I didn't do it till I was 21, 22. Um, just because one, a part of me was like, why do I have to do that? Like, why am I telling you my business? You don't, you don't need to know that. Like the people that need to know, need to know. Right. Like I, I, to. I just don't, I just never <laughs> agreed with the notion of that. And why am I being singled out? Why, why doesn't everyone right, we should all make this, this announcement right now. That's what we're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, always, it's usually an experience where, like, to Jay's point, like, somebody sees you doing something and, and then they force. And it's just like, do you know how traumatizing it is for a child to have to explain something that they don't even have a full understanding of themselves? Like, yeah, I am fully against that notion. And I, and I think that all queer folks should just stop doing it. <laughs> like, do it if you want if it makes you feel comfortable but do not feel obligated and do it when you're ready because also like people don't tell you it's an ongoing thing and you don't do it just once (laughs) you do it many times and then a lot of us have this like okay i think i'm this and then it's like wait no i think i'm I'm actually this and then like no i'm actually that like this idea of like what you're saying jay like oh i'm a cishet oh no i'm gay oh no i'm trans okay cool like that is the trajectory of my identity because what do you know at 16, 17? Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't know, child. I'm barely figuring it out. And I'm in my mid-20s. I ain't going yeah, to my age like that. But. I don't think we should pressure kids to, you know, yeah. make that that announcement. Because like you said, I, I do feel that it's only necessary if you feel so. And it's not something that, you know, society should force upon you. Because like you said, there can be several different coming outs for you. And one coming out might not even be true for you in 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. There are some cishet people, though, who watch queer people as we, or just people who identify outside of, I guess, this head, they watch us navigate and they watch us um, blossom and they feel that it contradicts, you know, each time we switch around or each time we uh, have a new realization, not even switch around, but have a new realization, they feel it contradicts, you know, what we said before. And it's just not that way. If you want to live a cookie cutter life, you know what I mean? and you never realize things about yourself, you never realize new things about yourself, then okay, you're gonna be the same forever and nobody's going to want to deal with you because nobody likes someone who stands stagnant mm-hmm. in life. We all change, we all transition. We all, um, we all do things that make us happy. And, um, you know, honestly, I wish that cishet people would move away from, you know, pressuring people to come out because it also furthers the notion that it's a choice People think that each time we, you know, they, they think it's a mm. choice and that annoys me as well. So I don't think the kids should be forced to come out. 
I don't think that kids, um, you know, have to uh, come out. I definitely didn't feel the need to. Uh, when I came out as trans, it wasn't even really like, a, oh, you know, I'm trans. I, I told my mom. And after that, I just, I came out to the world and I was like, yep, yeah, my name is Jade. Pronouns are she, her. If you can't get with it, then go mm-hmm. over there. <laughs> and that's it. And that was it for me. I think we should also like acknowledge that sometimes it's just simply not safe to do that. Mm-hmm. Like forcing children to do that, you're going to put them in a situation where they're in harm's way. And that is very, 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 very real. So yeah, that too. Yeah. They always ask me on TikTok, you know, do you have any advice for coming out? And just like what you said, my advice is always do what in the end is going to have you food, shelter, and safety. If, you coming out is going to take away these uh, necessities. These are like our bare necessities in life as children. I don't want you out on the street. You know, sometimes um, for me, that's the way it was going to be having surgery not happen. I was almost out of high school. You know what I mean? So I was going to wait till 18 to tell my family that I was trans. But, you know, honey, they put you on them painkillers. You just start talking at your ears. So <laughs> before I knew it, I was out as trans. <laughs> that's what it was. And um I I really do hope that, you know, people do encourage kids, you know, if they're going to encourage them to come out or if kids want to come out, the encouragement process is uh, making sure the other party is going to be safe. Is that baby going to be safe? Because just because your family, you know, welcomed you with open arms, that's not the case for everyone. And I know it's 2021 and it should be that way, but we cannot. I think there's privilege in having had acceptance. There's privilege in that. When people are accepted, um, you know, I think sometimes they they forget that there are people who were not. Like for me, it was not immediate acceptance. I didn't speak to my grandma for like two years. Mm. You know, it, it was crazy. Mm, that's real. I feel like one thing I'm hearing from y'all that I hear from a lot of my queer friends also is just the fact of like, there's so much silence around queer identities, but public, like in the non-queer world, in the straight world that is perpetuated in such weird ways like I'm thinking even within my family the the way that like assumptions are made about people's queer identities without anything ever being said but still it's not something that's ever talked about it's just like we it's something we think we know and it's something that we you know talk about when they're not present but like in such weird and toxic ways and I, I I'm constantly thinking about how isolating it must be especially for the older queer folks in my family of whom there's only a couple but like I just am always like dang I see everybody else in my family here with a partner at the family events but I don't know anything about your personal life I don't know anything about your internal identity oh and, and, that's... and don't dare bring <laughs> exactly them. don't dare bring nope. your partner right. oh my goodness because I'm let not, me tell you no. something about a lot of black families there are some black families who will defend to the end their son who went to, uh, to jail for murder, sexual harassment, um, assault charges, all of this, talking about free my baby. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to their children or their aunties, cousins, uncles, or just, you know, family members who identify somewhere within the spectrum of, you know, queer or the LGBTQ community plus, you know, I really think that, you know, it's crazy to me how they can accept someone who, you know, committed crimes really did intentionally hurt people and someone who is just living their lives, their their best life. Honestly, people will be the best family member if you love them for who they are. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. I feel like people really try to um, throw away their LGBT plus um, family members, but they know in the back of their heads, like, 
we are the shit. I don't know why they still want to be stuck up on that, but they know they want to take us with them to the store because as I've yep. said before on TikTok, they use, a lot of cishet people use us as an accessory. They use us to go shopping and give them advice. They use us to, what should I say back to my man? Cause he just tried me, you know, they use us all the time. But when it comes to being around other cishet people who they want to be represented a certain way around them and present like they have a certain life and they believe certain things and have certain values, they stick you in a closet and you're closeted all over again. So it goes back to the point that there's no use in coming out anyway because your friends closet you and your lovers closet you because they themselves and you're are going to internalize truth, that, which is they love you. And that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so hard because then you have to unlearn that yourself mm -hmm. because you internalize a lot of these ideas that are are being presented and you're like should i tone it down am i doing mm. too much should i not wear this particular outfit should i put on some makeup i shouldn't put on some makeup and, and a lot of queer folks end up like minimizing right. themselves right like making themselves smaller and then like you said jade more palatable and it's like, gender is already a social construct it was created mm. it was created Everybody performs gender mm. every day. Every single person, doesn't matter your identity, you're performing gender every single day the moment you decide to put on an eyelash, put your hair up, put your hair down, put it in cornrows, put on a baggy shirt, put on tights. Mm. You're performing. Yes. So why is it okay for you to perform gender and I can There it is. There it is. I guess, okay, while we're on this one point, the one question that I did have, because I think y'all have really spit some advice and I'm, I'm praying that, you know, the reason we really wanted to have this episode is that we know there are people listening that are currently reckoning with these things themselves. And it would be remiss of us to not just because we can't talk to y'all ourselves and help you through those internal questions that are placed on you by the world. Like it's still happening. and You're not alone in that. So I kind of was also hoping that like I would love, you know, beyond the advice that you guys have given one to like straight people to stop putting pressure on queer folks to come out in any type of way. What advice would you give to I don't know whether you frame it as your younger self or someone else who's currently listening who might be a peer and is going through their own sort of process of identity. How do you, what advice do you give to them for their own journey, for themselves, like unrelated to anybody else, unrelated to, you know, them and their mama? Like, how do you, what advice do you give to them to get through? If whatever get through means, you know, knowing it's ongoing. I think I have a few. Go ahead, Jay. You should always just remember that the stage that you are in life right now, this is it's not going to be forever. You know what I mean? You are going to make it through. You're going to find people who are like minded and you'll find people who have minds so different from you, but, you know, still understand you and you won't feel um, so much pressure from the outside world to be a certain way. I would say just persist. Don't feel pressure to be someone that you're not look a certain way. Don't feel, um, if you are a, a, a person of trans experience, don't feel rushed in your transition. I know that the world decides that they're going to show a certain, a certain look for trans people and they do not always look like us. You know, they're not always noticeably trans. A lot of times um, the world is going to push um, cis assuming trans people to make you feel and dilute, dilute your mind and, and make you feel like that's what I'm supposed to look like. Don't feel like that, babe. You don't have to. I promise you don't. You still will be considered an amazing person. Like, you don't have to look that way. For me, it was the look. It was the look. I knew how I was on the inside. I just hated that everybody stared at me. I hate that people still stare at me. 
But now I just eat it up. I sop it up like gravy on a dry Bojangles biscuit. It's fine. It is what it is, you know. Um, (laughs) Yes, don't let the, as long as these people are not being, um, if, as long as they're not getting close to you, um, because people are going to talk shit. Like, I had to really get past that. As long as they are not um, becoming physical with you, just know that you own your space, you own the room, do you. Um, Sometimes being the elephant in the room pays off and it's okay. It's paid off for me before. People always notice you, okay? <laughs> Big purr. I would say be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself because the world will not be. <laughs> like, And that's just an unfortunate truth. So you don't need to be the next person beating yourself up. The world won't do that for you. I would also say to find community or create community. Like, that's very, very important. Like, Circling back to what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, you might not see yourself represented on screen. That might not be your reality. And in order for you to grow in your identity, you're going to need to be in community with folks who are similar to you. So if that means that you have to go to different events in your city, you do that. If that means you get online and and you follow Jade on TikTok and you follow other folks on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and and talk to them in the DMs and things like that, that is really affirming and you're, you're going to need community. Um, I think that's what makes something like Ballroom so special because it, they created community, right? They created something so beautiful and, and honest and protective because they didn't have that. So those would be my, my two things. And I think Jade hit it on the head by saying like, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't gotta do a certain thing. You can just exist. You don't have to prove your identity to anybody but yourself. So, yeah, that's that on that. Per. Per. Facts. No printer. Love that. Wow. Y'all are really, really just sharing so much in, like inspiration useful information and i'm i'm so grateful again i always get i always have this moment in, like the middle of the episodes where i get really excited and i'm like you guys oh. and i'm so happy that you're both here but thank you for all that you you've shared it really means so much um and i think kind of moving into like one of the next things that we wanted to talk about which is pride specifically that we've already talked a little bit about already with the commodification um you know and for black queer folks um, what does it mean that pride has been commodified? Who is the face of pride? And is pride a place that you identify within? What, what's supposed to be a celebration of queer folks? Do you feel that you have a place in that and it's for you? Or is it like for straight folks? Or is it for a certain members of the queer community? What does pride mean to you, really? I do not feel, number one, I'll just say, I don't feel that we should have one particular person as the face of any group of people because that is part of the damage uh, of society thinking that all, a whole group of people acts a certain way just because there's like you know a, a head figure there representing the whole community we should have several different uh people representing our community several different outlets several different um companies and businesses that truly do care about our community. I don't think that Caitlyn Jenner is even a candidate for that. Um, I don't know who that is. I know that, you know, she was on Keeping Up With Our, the Kardashians and I know that she is transphobic and she happens to be trans. 
But I think we should leave her there. She is by no means the face of trans people. We have never I said I that. Caitlyn Jenner there may be trans child. people who feel that way and truly adore her and love her. And, you know, I have love for her because she is my trans sister. But I will say she's wrong. Not only for her shoes, but also for the things that she has said. It's not the shoes. Let me look these shoes up. Let me look these shoes up. I mean, come on now. You might as well wear flats if your heel are going to be that. Not the Hillary Clinton kitten heels. Yeah. I don't mind a kitten heel. You know, Michelle Obama could really rock them, but Michelle Obama has class. <laughs> Listen, I, I I don't have much else to say to that. Then ain't no like someone said this on Twitter, and I thought it was so poignant. Like the rainbow flag and the American flag give me the same feeling. Like looking at both those flags, I f- I feel just as alienated, just as misrepresented. I don't I don't need an old navy fifty percent off in June. I don't need like. It's like, baby, people are dying. Do you understand? Right. Like, the people are dying. People are trying to come to your establishments and trying to get work and trying to get resources, and you're denying them, but you're trying to sell them their identity back to them for 50% off so you can look like you're doing something. I'm not into that. I'm not into that at all. I think the the celebration is important, but we was going to do that anyway. <laughs> we was here for a key anyway. Like, we was going to do that regardless. We do that every single month. So yes the celebration is important but i think like we're we've gotten so far away from why pride even exists right like, did you know a black trans woman did that for y'all but you want to amplify the white gay man in the village but you know a right. black trans woman did that for you and you would see a black trans woman walking down the street and, and being assaulted and being harassed and not say nothing but you're going to walk in a parade? Black trans women are the mothers of our community. Honestly, it's the truth. And black and brown trans women, period, have really contributed to mm-hmm. um, our community in ways that a lot of other people who identify inside of the community have not. And it has become, even if it's not, you know, uh, particularly heterosexual um, centered holiday, it is a cisgender centered mm-hmm. holiday. I feel I don't 100%. feel 100%. You know, when I'm like, like you said, when I look at the pride, uh, at the pride flag for me, um, there is a sense of pride in that because I know about Sylvia Rivetta and I know about Storm and I know about Marsha B. Johnson and I know about these people who fought to be able to have these flags even mm-hmm. seen in the streets. Like, you know, it's a big deal that. A lot of these companies, you know, who have been historically homophobic and transphobic have these flags just sitting in their lobby like nothing ever happened, trying to sell stuff to us. And um, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, I've i said on TikTok before, in terms of pride, it's in, in for you to have pride, you have had to fully be able to. And this is my opinion. You know, this is my definition of pride. I think when one has pride in themselves. Um, you must have fully accepted yourself. You know what I mean? And how can we do that as Black trans people or, um, you know, just Black queer people? How can we do that when everybody is telling us it's wrong? Like our own communities are telling us it's wrong all the time. Black people say it's wrong. People within the community say we're wrong. There are people within the community who are racist and transphobic within themselves or homophobic within themselves. And it's really sad. And, you know, I really think the problem is we look at everything as like 
a base level issue. Like that's just what it is. It's a base level issue. There's no other layers. There's not a hidden basement. There's not an attic. No, there's an attic. There's a closet. There's a closet within that closet, a closet within that closet full of bones and secrets. And these people don't want to give credit when credit is due. And that goes for people of color. That goes for um, people of the LGBT plus experience. That's just what it is. I think people need to give credit and the world would be better if we were all just considerate of each other, not necessarily having. I tell people all this all the time. You don't have to accept me. You don't have to understand me, but if we just had a common respect for each other, everything will be okay. So same thing goes with pride. Respect pride, respect its origins. And when you have a respect for that, I'll pour you a little shot so that we can mm -hmm. get dancing. <laughs> and there it is. You just reminded me, I on the, my flight yesterday, I was actually watching, um, it was recommended on my Netflix that I watched The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, the documentary. And you just reminded me of that. I think what maybe was the most heartbreaking scene. I don't know if y'all have seen that, but the one where Sylvia Rivera is giving the speech at the Pride Parade. It was maybe the first Pride Parade ever, I think. Mm -hmm. And she's like screaming, imploring the audience to be like, how dare you boo me when I walk on the stage when like we made Star House. Like we are the ones that are caring for most of the folks here when they go home and they don't have a home to go to. So it really is so it's like that blatant like when yeah. she walked on the stage and they booed her they don't want to see me, us it was like yeah. such an embodiment you i was don't like want oh to my see god mm -hmm. they don't ever like, want to see us chair and imagine doing that at a like it was just so blatant like obviously now maybe a black or a black trans woman wouldn't be booed at pride maybe hopefully <laughs> but like that moment and knowing that that was the first pride and that was like 40 plus years ago and so little has changed in terms of sentiment and acceptance is like it's disappointing and it's just like dang i i don't know that really that that sat with me i was thinking about it for a while so anyways we are pushing up i know we, i don't want to take too much of y'all's time so we had one other question knowing that a lot of our audience and us as hosts in, included are cishet and we wanted to talk we would be remiss not to acknowledge the violence that many black trans women face and the fact that most black women's black trans women's life expectancy is so low because of said violence and you know not not limited to that violence but also just in terms of like allyship which is a term we throw around all the time like what does allyship mean you know we can talk about what needs to be done on a systemic level because no the the safety and the protection should not be limited to individuals but like how can cishet people show up for y'all better sort of in an interpersonal level but also sort of in terms of like how we think and how we talk about queer folks amongst ourselves it if that makes sense if that's helpful but like what does allyship yeah. even look like i mean like? i have thoughts i have, I have <laughs> very strong thoughts i think like if you see a black trans person walking down the street make sure they get home safely if, if you see a gofundme past your timeline and you got five ten dollars make sure you donate make sure you amplify because it's not enough that you're featuring them in your in in June in your magazine and you're giving them a cover spread because like these people are still not able to get jobs like I I don't I I cannot stress this enough because like I think a lot of cishet folks and in media and in and, and pop culture they get so bogged down with representation politics and they think it's enough to amplify their stories and, and use the traumas that black trans women face as an editorial spread and then they those folks walk away from those from those experiences okay great they were featured in in whatever pride issue 
but they they're going home to dangerous situations. They don't have access to healthcare. They don't have access to hormones. They are not given tools and resources to live a, a comfortable, prosperous life. And I think both are important, right? Representation is important asterisk, right? But it's not the be all end all. And I think that if you're going to put folks on in your campaigns to sell your products, you need to be making sure that these people are safe and are living a prosperous, healthy life and, and being set up to do so. So that that's my that's my thing. And if you got a problem with it, we could fight it. Also <laughs> I'll say this too. This, if 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 a black trans woman don't look like Janet Mock, Laverne Cox, um MJ Rodriguez, if if they're not acceptable and palatable to you and, and, and their presentation makes you uncomfortable and you feel the need to to out them or to be attracted to them in private but in public you want to put hands on them we could really fight like i really do that so just be mindful of that as well because a lot of folks love trans women and i'll leave it there yes there are a lot of folks who love trans women who do not have our best interests at heart I think my advice to cis people um, in terms of showing up for people within the LGBT community, the LGBT plus community, because I never, you know, we can't forget the plus. People forget the plus and we can't do that. QIA plus, baby. So um, I think that make sure you're showing up for the right reasons. Don't do it for your image. Don't do it because you want to feel better in life. Don't do it because you just feel like, you know, this is the right thing. Make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure it is for the betterment of our lives, not just, you know, for you to be able to go home and sit in the bathtub and be like, you know, I'm a great person. Um, on the other hand, uh, going back to people who are attracted to trans people but decide to keep it a secret for whatever reason, um, I have nothing to say to you. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to, there's, there's no opinion. My thing would be back to trans people, my trans siblings, always stay safe. These people are very dangerous. People who are afraid of themselves and afraid of their truths um, go to very dangerous lengths sometimes to hide exactly what it is they're doing in the dark. And sometimes those lengths put you at risk. Um, so just stay safe and make sure everyone who is in your area understands that safety is the number one priority when it comes to you. Like I always tell my friends, like, I'm sorry, babe. If you can't understand that I can't go over there because there are certain people over there who don't want me over there, um, we just can't be friends. If you don't understand that I'm not going to be able to go everywhere with you because everywhere you want to go is not safe for me, then, you know, so cisgender people understand that trans people or people just within the LGBT plus community cannot go everywhere that you go because there are certain things um, or certain characteristics that we may hold that make us noticeably, you know, these things, you know what I mean? And it puts us at risk. I go places all the time and people are staring at me or people are um, just blatantly disrespectful. You know, they'll say things loud enough so that I can hear it. You know, there are certain people who they want you to know exactly what it is, what they think about you, they make it known. And that happens to me daily. And if I could um, eliminate these experiences, I would. So you as a cishet person should make sure that you are trying your hardest to eliminate these experiences and these traumas for your friends if you truly care because it's really sad to be called the f word or the t word and you're just shopping for some rice at the walmart not uncle ben's though <laughs>
and I, I just want to like reinforce it, that statement that Jade said. Like, if you see that's happening outside and you don't say nothing, whether you're in the community or not, because you don't want to cause a scene or you don't want to get hurt, you're corny. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, if you talk about protect black women and trans women are not included, it's invalid. If if you preach about black liberation online and you're not including black trans women, you're not really about that life. So I I think it's like it's something people say online and and yes, we're seeing it multiple times here, but like if you see something, you better say something. Yeah. And, and that not in a New York uh police department way, child. <laughs> I can't in the new york way yeah i know i just got ptsd from that statement but yeah if you you see somebody in harm's way you make sure they get home you Mm. you put them in a cab if you can afford it you find a nearest store that you can okay cool can we call someone to come get you like go above and beyond seriously Mm. the life or death situation there's no reason why black trans women are dying before 30 wow well Mm. There it is for for this conversation and for everything that you've shared with us today. I mean, we can't thank you enough for how important it was and for all of the great things that you guys have shared. Um, yeah, we're really, really, really grateful. We think this was a great conversation, a very meaningful conversation. Um, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this because I think you guys have dropped so many gems um, that just need to be heard and need to be talked about more. Um, I think kind of on we like to end our th- conversations on you know, um, uplifting notes. So the last thing we're going to talk about is just some things that we're loving right now and some things that are bringing us joy. So does anyone want to kick things off or shall I? I know we must have to think hard. I don't like that we have to think hard about things that are bringing us joy, but we play cute. I'm like, hmm. damn, happy. Damn, that's crazy. I know we do this every week. Every week it's like, what's making you happy right now? And it's like, dang. No, I can't. I can't. Don't know her. Well, for me, <laughs> black people, our hair, our skin, the many different textures, and you know, of our hair and just our complexion shades, and uh, you know, the way we glisten in the sun, and you know, our minds, um, mental health of black people, all of this. It. I love it. Mm. I love it. it I love it things too. that I love. I love black people. Period. That's how I feel. As that brings me I love that feeling. <laughs> yes. yes. I think what's making me happy, mm-hmm. uh, the sunshine. Because New York summers is is is, is really something to experience. Mm-hmm. Um I'm rewatching Ugly Betty because I'm an old person and I was obsessed <laughs> with Ugly Betty. So that's when we joy. Um my friends living their best lives after we've spent mm-hmm. year a year plus at home being mm-hmm. outside. And see people we haven't seen in a long time. That's bringing me a lot of joy. Yeah. That's all I Yes. Have. I love that for you. I'm going home next week. I'm going back. I'm from the Bahamas. Oh, take I'm me. going back take to the Bahamas. Me. So when y'all see me posted up in my bikini on the beach with my pina <laughs> colada, I'm going to be channeling all my vacation photos. I'm going to be channeling my inner. Um, would you go Cancun? Was that where it was? 
Yeah, we went to Cancun. No, I can't. I can't. Right, but I'm gonna be channeling my inner. <laughs> She's still traumatized. She's still traumatized. Um, when I go, but my brother's graduating from high school, and I'm really excited for him and to see my family. Oh. So, oh. also the sun and the Got beach will also be there. But, but I'm a, I'm gonna look at them all the time. But yeah. Mm. Shoot. Okay. Well, mine, mine was going to Cancun up until my last day because that really was some. Yeah. That was. Guys, when that positive test came in my email, I can't even tell you. I just I called my mom and I sobbed for like 24 hours straight until my other test came in. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I made it home and the trip was fun. Being in the pool was nice. Being in the sun was nice. Um, eating actual Mexican food was great. Like, and I because I feel like the East Coast don't be doing Mexican food right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think we get it right that much. Mm-hmm. Unless name tell me the tell me where. Tell me where because I'm looking. But anyways, eating actual Mexican food was great. And now being home is honestly like just being home is great. I got to check on my garden because my dad was taking care of my plants while I was gone, which was scary. <laughs> and it's thriving. So he didn't kill my plants. So amen to that as well. <laughs> Lovely. Prayer hand. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. This is a long episode, but I think justifiably mm-hmm. so and an important conversation. I think a reminder to us straight folks, pride conversations and conversations about LGBTQ. LGBTQIA plus mm. folks should not be limited to this month or any given mm-hmm. day or any people specifically. So have these conversations with your grandma, have these conversations mm-hmm. when there are non-queer folks in the room, like, like take the space up and make sure that they don't have to do all of the labor and the caring for us, but also don't decenter them and like, don't speak for them necessarily. And either. check your friends, mm-hmm. check your friends. Your cousins, if, if your, your friends brothers. are saying transphobic things in the privacy of your whatever mm-hmm. spaces. Check them. Check them. Period period and there it is well thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode like mckeon said um such an important conversation and thank you all for listening today also thank you to our amazing guests um do you guys want to plug yourselves talk about any upcoming projects before we close things out please uh, brag we don't do that humble shit around here so let us know what are y'all what are y'all up to please uh just follow me at wow i write everywhere um i'll be updating those things all the time try be chatting um follow mm. brainwash at brainwash x media everywhere for content on there and yeah amazing content Stan, I, I follow on every platform period everybody here to be honest <laughs> go ahead miss jade <laughs> um okay so number one i would like to say aretha franklin is the queen of soul number two you can find me on tiktok at jade x badu it's j-a-d-e-e-x-b-a-d-u and that's the only page I really want you to know. No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram too. Brown Baby Jade. Okay. Period. Well, well, thanks y'all for listening. Keep up with us on social media in the interim until next Friday when we drop our fifth episode. Fourth episode. Fourth thing. I can't. Uh, that's Sorry, okay. Y'all. It'd be like fifth, that. Fourth Math episode. is hard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But on Twitter, yes, at B Girl Blueprint, mm-hmm. on Instagram, at Black Girl Blueprint. Guys, DM us, talk to us, like slide in. We want to know what's popping. And if you like this episode, you can subscribe, you can leave a little review, you can give us a little rate. All of those are very, very helpful for us because we're all friends and friends rate each other's podcasts <laughs> and give them five stars. And yes, that is everything. Thank you so, so much for tuning in and we will see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.